Dusky goes through it again. Oh, he just can't do it. You just cannot be that good. That is an amazing goal. I think he's scored a goal every time he's had a shot. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the European edition of the 50 Plus One Football Podcast. The Champions League is back, and we are just so happy with that. I'm Billy, and joining me as always is a man whose bedroom wall is still plastered with pictures of Manuel Neuer, Lewis. Ah, uh, it's just a couple of Bayern Munich scars at this point. Anyways, we will be talking about how Paris Saint-Germain took Barcelona to town in the new camp. Also have a look at how RB Leipzig basically booted themselves out of the round of 16. Then we'll swing over to Spain where Dortmund and Sevilla had a fun time of it with a close match in the end. And we'll look to Portugal where Porto stunned Juve twice at the beginning of each half. And without further ado, I think we'll launch right into the most exciting match on Tuesday. Barca PSG was already billed to be, you know, the more exciting of the two, even though I'd argue RB Leipzig against Liverpool, also very, very good game to watch. But Barca PSG, you have the emerging, possibly, potentially, world's best player and the current, arguably, with the battle of Mbappe and Messi. And one guy definitely came out on top. It was the Mbappe show, wasn't it? I mean, he he literally just took a massive dump in Messi's front yard. Uh, steaming. It, it's weird because, and I had an argument with our mutual French friend. <laughs> oh, because boy. once again, I I find it very difficult to praise PSG for playing well. Because the money they spent, the team they have, they should be playing well. So when people go, oh, they were amazing. Well, they should be. Yeah, I can get that. But I still think, you know, it's... You could also argue that the the same should be said for Bayern or any big team, City, Liverpool, any team that spends money. You could argue the same thing. But it's actually putting, as, as they say in Germany, putting your horsepower on the road and not just letting your wheels spin through. It was just so, okay. So as good as PSG were, I'll give them that Barcelona were twice as bad. Yeah. I I was getting low key flashbacks from that eight to two because also as good as Bayern were Barcelona in that match just went to pieces and it was more or less the same thing. I mean, the first goal, I wouldn't take too much away because Mbappe just, uh, that, that's just beautiful, really. You know, close close range shot, but the run up to that, just to dribble through the defense in, in the smallest amount of space possible. I mean, he had three men around him in a five-yard radius. It was ridiculous. <laughs> it was quite funny because about I was watching with my brother and about five minutes before that, it was, oh, Clement Longley, he's, he's an all right. Defender, isn't he? He's quite a good long lay. Juke past with a with a flick, and it's what and it's one all. It's like, oh no! I I mean, you said so often that uh, Benjamin Pavard is not Byron level 
or Bayern caliber. Longley is nowhere near Barcelona caliber. I'm sorry. It's just not the case. He's probably a decent center back in his own right, but he is not Barcelona caliber. Not a chance. Well, that was a, that's another argument me and me and our French friend have had over the over the seasons. But you look at the players that they had. So okay, PK just come back from injury. Yeah. Because there was talk of him not being back until like mid April. So fair enough. Mm-hmm. But Dest was hooked off because he just had a shocker. Bush yeah. Yeah. Not a lot. So what were you gonna say about Dest? Uh, I was just thinking the first goal. Dest gets dragged in so far that I think it's uh, who put the who put the cross in on the left. I want to say it's Kurosawa. Anyways, whoever put the cross he whoever put the cross in for Paris. It was they had so much space. Yeah, I think it was Kurosawa. He had acres of space because Dest. I don't know why he's tracking inwards so far. He's He's literally five meters away from uh, f- from PK, I think. Or, yeah, he's he's literally five meters away from PK at some point, leaving Kurzawa with about a 20-meter, 20 20-square-meter 20 gap to, uh, to put the cross in for. You know, it, he's 20, so I'm not going to give him that hard of a time for it. He's going to learn. It's, you know, he's the beginning, beginning of his career. It's his first big club he's going to it's the biggest stage he's ever played on so i'll give him that but still you know if you're going to be playing for barcelona you can't be letting yourself get hooked in like that they were all terrible let's be honest yeah you know pedri okay there's a lot of hype around him and He's barely 18. Is it Ricky Puig or Puig? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay, they're young. And people are like, oh, they're amazing. Yeah, okay, they might be. But I think probably isn't the game to be playing them in. I mean, it's hard to argue with that. Dembele. Dortmund must watch him. And Mikel Zork must just sit there and piss his pants laughing the fact that they got 105 million off of him jesus you think it's stunning you have one good season and you get 105 million from a player who okay yeah he's been injured and he's got like paper mache calf muscles but he's just not up to he's just a pace merchant it's like a french adama triore yeah yeah he's good on fever and that's about it yeah, that that was one thing. A lot of players suffer from FIFA hype. Yeah. Usman Dembele, oh, he's got five-star skills. I was like, great. Doesn't do it in real life very often. Barely ever performs. Griezmann was terrible again. Griezmann just has that, you know, I think ever since he got to, he's gotten to Barcelona, he has that air of he's very engaged and he tries his hardest basically but not a lot goes the right way for him it's it's more or less been the bane of his performances been trying hard and not getting a lot done gave it the old college try exactly but i mean we we've both said and you specifically have said another example on the list of players 
who shouldn't have gone just because Barca or Real Madrid come calling. Exactly. And I, I stand by that. I want to talk Mbappe again, though. Oh, yeah. Because that third goal, the first time finish. <sighs> I, I mean, I... I, I was I was shouting at the TV as much as any PSG fan just because it was just a it was a brilliant brilliant finish. There are not a lot of people who can make that finish first time in the world, and I mean he's he's now on twenty two goals in the Champions League before the age of twenty one. Just to give you a little bit of a. A little bit of context. Messi scored eight Champions League goals before the age of 21. I think we'll just leave that stat there. It's obscene. I think I think what you said is probably true. I think there is... It's almost a bit symbolic, that game. Yeah. Like a changing of the guard type thing. It had to be Messi against Mbappe. It's like, okay, old man, you've had your fun. Now it's my go. And yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. Barca have, have done it before against PSG and come back, but they're not, they're, no, that no. Barcelona team couldn't. That Bar- Fulham. They, they don't have that in them. Not a chance. It almost, it, it makes me feel a little bit bad for Ter Stegen because he pulled out a few brilliant saves again yesterday, but he is never going to be regarded as as one of the top keepers of all time because of the team he's playing in. If he were really to, I, I mean, it's not going to happen because Barcelona will want to have a price tag for him, and I think he's, you know, he's kind of identified himself with Barcelona now because he's been there so long. But honestly, if he wanted to do something for his career, he probably would have to leave Barcelona. You say that, but goalkeepers really don't command that. Well, I say that. You look at what. Chelsea paid for yeah. Kepper. But I don't know if he's if he pushes for it and when Manuel Neuer retires, because Alex Nubo is not going to be up to the standard. It could be an option. Yeah. If you're willing but to spend like 60 million euros on a goalkeeper. Especially spend 60 million on a goalkeeper who at that point in time will be 33. Oh, Christ, is he that old? He's relatively old. I mean, I say relatively old. He's 30 now. But oh, I thought he was younger than that. Oh, yeah, no, okay, maybe. Oh, sorry, no, 28, sorry. But still, he'll by the time Neuer retires, he will be about 32. If we're being honest. The way Neuer is playing right now, and the way he's also got that, you know, Neuer very much has that type of aura around him that, you know, Oliver Kahn had who played until 38 or Buffon who's still playing. It's, I think it's, you've got more of that thing. So I would, I would make a bold shout and say Ter Stegen is never going to go to Bayern or he will never put on a Bayern shirt. Fair. Before I get your opinion on the tie as a whole, Moyes Keane. So he's on loan from Everton. Yeah. There's no option to buy. It's just a straight loan. Oof, PSG Ever- must be kicking themselves. <laughs> Everton promised his mum when he left Juve that they would take care of her boy. Arguably, they're doing a better job by letting him play for PSG than they would be if he was at Everton. 
I think that Everton should definitely consider negotiating with PSG on some in some form or fashion to let him stay at, at uh, PSG because I think if we're being honest, not a lot of people thought he was going to make a difference at PSG when he couldn't do it at Everton. But I think you know, as time has uh, as been shown time and time again, the surroundings of a player really make a difference. It's a weird one because he was he scored a few goals for Juve. Never really happened at Everton. And I think the, the final nail in that coffin so far was when he was brought on as a substitute against United at Old Trafford. Yeah. And Big Dunk hooked him off after about half an hour of being on again. <laughs> but he was playing was... out he was being played oh, out man. wide. He was being played not through the middle, because obviously you've got Dominic Calvert-Lewin through the middle. Yeah, yeah. But I think if Everton do let him go to PSG permanently, it'll be a relatively cheap deal for the age of the player and how long they could potentially have him. And it could be one that Everton regret. He's only 20. So I I don't know. I think I think also France and Italy's closer, you know, cultural wise than England and Italy are, if that makes sense. And that's why he's probably thriving more. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. So before we move on to Liverpool opinions on the tie over pretty much pretty much done. It's they have four away goals. It's not like last time where PSG had four home uh, a four home goal advantage and then Barcelona at home just had to score the same amount. No, no, this is this is four away goals, which means for Barcelona to win this tie, they have to score four and not concede and not con- exactly and not concede. And the way Barca are playing right now, they're more likely to concede than score. Yeah, I. Ronald Koeman to just sack off the Champions League then? I, I don't see any point. That is just not... It's the fourth time out of the last five years that Barcelona are not making the semifinal. And to think, we used to regard the three set, three out of four semifinalists as being basically locked and set in stone every year. And they, they were Bayern, Barca, and Real. And now one of those has not made it to the semifinal the last four years. That's telling. It, it makes you think. But uh, last four four times in the last five years, sorry, because Liverpool. Oh. But let's move on to Liverpool. Yes. Um, why don't you just give me your take on the match and then we can we can go from there. Self-inflicted? Yeah. You know, Liverpool were on top for vast majority of that game, but they didn't threaten very often. Yeah. And then in the space of five minutes, <clears throat> your two away goals down. And, you know, the team that reached the semi finals last year, we're going to crash out of the last 16. Yeah. And I, I think when you look at Liverpool's recent form, they were not going to this match as favorites. Leipzig definitely were on more, on better form. And I'd argue that Leipzig still had chances to even equalize in that match. 
And, you know, as, as you already said, self-inflicted, I mean, colossal, colossal misplaced pass from Zavitsa, who as captain is one of the most consistent players. I think you'll see in that team. And, you know, Mukiele just missteps, doesn't place his body correctly. He should be having that long ball all day and basically just leaves Mane to, you know, skip on through alone on goal. So I think it's weird because Marcel Sabitz, like you say, is most consistent player in that team, but he had a moment, he has moments. He had one against United where he just dive. Dived in at Martial and gave away a penalty. Granted, it was 3-0 at that point anyway. Yeah. But it was just a, a stupid challenge that he didn't need to make. And he has like moments of madness. Yeah. And like you say, they're a defensive. They just, it's like, you know, when you've got like a, a, a hyperactive child. Yeah. That it just wanders off. <laughs> You know, you have to keep a constant eye on them. Someone has to constantly keep, you know, like, are you focused? Are you, are you, are you there? Are you with me? Because otherwise, Mukiele and even Upamakano to an extent will just wander. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that Upamakano is also going to have to sort out when he, when he comes to Bayern, because you're not, Bayern are not going to let a player like that you know, who has that, you know, that hyperactive child syndrome almost play in that back line as a starter. And, you know, it's Mukiele, I think is harder, hard put, but the, um, you know, I think one person who is pretty much the perfect example of the hyperactive child, that's Angelino, because no one can tell me that guy is supposed to be a fullback. He is a left winger. He has more attacking prowess than defensive. Well, you, you can see why Pep Guardiola didn't like playing him. Granted, he can put a very good ball in. He can be very good. But he can also be god-awful. Oh, yeah. He was the Crosses were terrible. He whipped one or two goal, good balls in, but that's about it. Yeah, I mean, there was one that I think was so telling was when he got a rebound ball that kind of skipped out towards his position from a shot on Liverpool's goal. And instead of taking a touch, he he just whacks at it first time when he's off balance. He doesn't have his whole body sorted to even put a remotely good cross in. And this cross just goes over and out into the uh, across the touchline and uh, goes out for a goal kick. I think that was basically summed up Angelino's performance. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to criticize uh, Julian Nagelsmann because it's very difficult to criticize what he's done, especially when the two goals were both individual mistakes. Yeah, yeah, but I think the way that he set up offensively probably didn't help them because you've got Jordan Henderson and Orzan Kabak that played at centre-half. They're big. Jordan, Jordan Henderson's not a centre-half and Kabak he was playing for Schalke who are bottom of the Bundesliga but they're both big imposing people. So Danny Olmo and Christopher Nkuku are not going to win balls in the air. You've got Poulsen no. and Alexander Sorloff. Yeah, yeah. 64 minutes into a game it's too late to bring on Yusuf Poulsen. Or Alexander Soloff, either start one or both. Yeah, yeah. 
because other think, uh, other yeah. people will give you you know angelina gives you width down the left and you could even argue that you can put danny Omo as a 10 because he's so good on the ball and he's creative enough to you know put the through balls in for the striker exactly or, you know or basically take Nkuku as a Vanna replacement if you really want to play him. Put him paired with one guy who can hold the ball, either Serlot or uh, Paulson. But and then Nkuku can you know sprint through. But you know I do an either or, not a not a you know a pairing of two fast guys and creative guys who are good on the ball against two massive guys in center back. No, I think it's it's a good win for Liverpool. I don't know whether they necessarily, yeah, okay, on the balance of play, they probably deserved the win. Yeah, I guess. But I think Jurgen Klopp's comments afterwards saying that, oh, well, RB Leipzig were meant to beat us. It's almost along the, okay, yeah, I know he's had a rough time of it of late, but you've won. Yeah. Just yeah. drop the sour bitchiness. It's like, yeah, okay, we deserve that win. We played well. Let's crack on with the next Premier League game. Yeah, yeah. Because barring some monumental collapse, they're probably going to go through. Yeah, I'd argue the same. Well, should we move on then to... Dortmund, because that <laughs> also boasted another Wunderkind who is making waves. I mean, I think the whole Champions League match day was kind of was kind of telling. You know, we said it with with uh, Mbappe kind of showing Messi the door. Arguably, Haaland is kind of showing Cristiano Ronaldo the door, even though they didn't directly play against each other. But you know, you could almost argue Haaland and Mbappe are the the new. Uh, emerging to heavyweights and Ronaldo and Messi's time is slowly kind of petering out because I mean Haaland Jesus Christ two goals one assist I I think the perfect example was made on Sky Sports Germany was where uh, Eric Maia basically showed the clip of the first Dortmund goal and you literally see the center back of Sevilla not even try and attack Haaland, who's running at him, but he already starts running away from him because he's like, "Oh, G- Jesus Christ! We've got Haaland coming at right at me. I can't, I can't do anything. No, no, no. I'm just gonna back the hell up and hope that you know I get enough people around me so I can stop him with more people." And even that didn't do anything. I mean, literally, the amount of respect the the center the guy had, I think, it was Carlos uh, at center back for Sevilla. But the amount of respect he had was <laughs> he just started sprinting away. He was, he was just like, nope, not even going to try. Not even going to try. Diego Carlos, yeah. Yeah, he just com- he completely backed off and stepped away. I think I'll happily eat my words with this because I, I think my words to you were <laughs> Sevilla are going to batter them. Yep, I'm really happy with that. <laughs> they, they, they played well collectively in that match for about 15 minutes. Yeah. And Again, it's getting a bit of a habit, me apologizing to players that I'm never going to meet. But I, <laughs> I owe Mo Dehoud an apology this week. Who will it be next week? I said he wasn't good enough. And, and as, if, as if it was like manifested 
the minute I said that. Of course he scores a screamer. Why wouldn't he? He won't do anything else all season now. I mean, arguably, I'd still argue that it wasn't just a screamer, but in general, Dahoud played very well in that match. And he he bust the midfield with Emery Chan, no, uh, no less, who was finally moved into the position that he actually is meant for. Again, also, can we, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, sorry, carry on. I mean, I just wanted to say, Emery Chan has got to be one of the most frustrating players to play against because, or I'm not, I'm not sure if frustrating is the word for it, but he will, if you, if you start, you know, dancing around with the ball and trying a little, a few tricks, he will just two foot you. He, he will check you out of the play. Didn't even get close. Yeah. I, how he's escaped a booking in that match is beyond me. Because I mean, he could have—he should have been booked about five times. <laughs> he's literally the epitome of shithousery. I mean, I, I personally don't like him, but he's—he's he's an enforcer and he gets a job done. Yeah, but I think similar to the Barcelona performance, I think Sevilla didn't really help themselves because for all three goals, they had the ball taken off of them in midfield. Yeah. Yeah. Especially that third one where Rakitic is just dicking around with it and Royce nicks in and then it's like three on one. And, you know, when you've got the uh, the the express train running at you in the form of Haaland, Sancho and Royce, you're not going to... That's just no fun. Like, the kid that's is a machine. No He's. I refuse to believe there's not some sort of like selective breeding or genetic mutation. He's a Leviathan, that lad. And if he signs for Man City, I will cry. (laughs) I mean, literally just the way he runs forward, like he bends his head down and just, he, he just, it's because it's not like he's like a, you know, a fast light sprinter, like, you know, Alfonso Davies or, you know, Raheem Sterling or whatever. He's like a freaking, he just barrels forward as the best way to describe it. He, he is literally like a bulldozer, but a bulldozer with a V12 and aerodynamics. He runs like a kid on a sugar high. It's all, (laughs) it's all, it's all all in the arm movement. So it's all big arm movement. And he, and he and the way he bends his head down is if he like needs to create like a point to basically part the air for the rest of his body. It's like there's everyone had that kid at primary or middle school. Is that what you call it? Middle school? Yeah, sixth to eighth grade. Where there was always a kid that used to run with his head down and his hands behind his back. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's almost like that. He has to make himself more aerodynamic. He's a big freaking guy. He's like six, he's six three or six four and weighs around 90, 90, 92 kilos. I mean, Diego Carlos, freaking dude. Diego Carlos isn't a small man. No, but the pace he was running at, <laughs> the size of him, and how imposing he is. I think anyone would just go, "Yeah, stand oh. off, go through." <laughs> through you go, my friend. Through you go. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it is scary. It really is scary. Uh, although it's not a completely dead tie. I mean, yeah, they've got three away no. goals, but there's only one goal difference in it. 
Yeah, I Dortmund will be kicking themselves because they should have finished off that match way it was an way early. Go. Not only that, but Dortmund were closer to the four-one for so much of that game than Sevilla were to the three-two, and then that j- just—it's another set-piece goal that Dortmund conceded. I mean, it has been the story of their season. The set-piece goals they sc- they concede are just so stupid. I mean, we saw it against Köln where they conceded the same damn goal twice. <laughs> yeah, the same same goal twice at the it's, back post. It's interesting because you were talking up Emre Chan. The but one time. <laughs> but it's him that lets Luke de Jong go. He just yeah. stopped. You carry on running, you get a touch. Okay, maybe it goes out for a corner, but you'd rather concede a corner than a goal. Oh, yeah. Uh, it, it's... And Luke de Jong, as much as people might knock him, still a decent finisher, and he'll take that out any day. Man of the match in the Europa League final last season. There you go. Yeah, I'd say Dortmund will definitely be kicking themselves for not having sorted that tie out sooner. Okay, because so before we move on to the final game, if you had to pick a winner now, Sevilla or Dortmund? I still say Dortmund sees it through. They just have too much quality up front. See, I think based on how they've played at times this season, I think I'm probably going to back Sevilla. Oh, uh, I'm I'm still going to say you're probably eating your words again next week or whenever well, it is. No, March 9th. Sorry. <laughs> if I have to eat my words, I'll happily eat my words. True. You are always a fair. You do concede quite fairly. I'll give you I, that. I don't hate Dortmund. I have a great dislike of the way they do business because they wouldn't sell to them. <laughs> uh, that, that's a completely unbiased opinion, right, Bill? But personal, <laughs> personal grievances to one side. <laughs> I, uh, genuinely, I think if Lopetegui, if Lopetegui starts Luke de Jong, mm. they're going to have more trouble because Papu Gomez, Suso... The players you bigged up, by the way. Yeah, I know. And they were so good for like the opening like seven minutes. And then after that, it was so passive. El Naziri barely touched the ball. Yeah, he was non-existent. Non-existent. The player of the month in La Liga last month. Yeah, yeah. I think he had like four or five touches. It was absolutely shocking. I'm sure they'll come good next time they play. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll leave that match with a, a split between us two. One, one of us backing Sevilla, one, the other backing Dortmund. Um, and we'll move over to Porto versus Juventus, which I think everyone expected. Cristiano Ronaldo with a goal or two. Maybe Chiesa gets into the, uh, on the score sheet as well. And it'd be a comfortable 3-0, maybe a 3-1 if Juve are feeling nice. But no, they decided to be asleep for the first 60 seconds of not just the first half, but the second half as well and conceded in the first minute and the 46th minute. Ah, how, how do you, how are you so, so just, it, it was almost lazy, but how are you so sleepy at the beginning of a match? Well, I, I sent you the highlights or I sent you their Porto's first goal this morning. And it's like, okay, you've got aspirations of winning the Champions League. 
and you can see the goal like that, where basically they're trying to play it out from the back. And is it, I think it's Danilo. No, nah, it's Bentancur. Oh, okay. Bentancur, who passes it back to Chesney, who dillies on it. And Tereme comes in, slides in and scores. Actually, it was it was uh, no, Chesney. I thought he was going to be the one to make the mistake, but he passes it to Bentaku, who bent, where arguably wasn't the best pass he could have made. It probably would have been smarter for Chesney to boot it because Bentaku had a man coming on on onto him from behind, and a guy coming a guy coming at him from his left. And what Bentaku wanted to do was basically pass it back to Chesney so he could boot it. Problem is Bentaku passed it more or less as a through ball for the Porto striker. I mean, it and Chesney, there's not much he can do in that sense. He just the worst. He he just got the worst of it. Because that it was more or less a through ball for Taremi that Bentaku gave him. I if they weren't G'd up enough for that game, I think that just that gift, it just takes him up another level. Oh yeah. And I would say the first half was pretty uneventful other than that. And then like you say, 60 seconds after the halftime after the kickoff for the halftime. The kickoff for the halftime. Oh my god. <laughs> what is my mind? 60 seconds into the second half. There we go. Christ. <laughs> Morega beats Chesney at his near post. I mean, it wasn't great play from Chesney, but you know you have to ask questions of the whole left side of Juve. Oh, so what they were doing? He's danced through three or four, but he's danced through Alexandro. He's yeah. danced through Matisse Delict. He's not done himself any favors, I don't think, with his move to Juve. No. Uh well, you know. Should have gone to another team that wanted him, but we won't talk about that. I mean, there were so many teams who were in for him. It Should was have gone so- to Barca with Frankie de Jong. That would have been fun. <laughs> I think that that was the only that's the only team that would have been worse for him at that point. But yeah, I, I just to spend a little bit of time on that. He had Bayern and United both giving him very, very or making him very, very big offers, and he decided to let each of them slide. United, he would have been starting week in, week out. And at Bayern, he would have won the Champions League by now. I don't think... As a starter. I think it came out of nowhere. Juve are such a... a team that don't normally make big signings. Well, you say that. They still did sign Ronaldo. (laughs) Yeah, but that's what I mean. Even that was a bit... Out of left field? Yeah. No, you're completely right. Like, no one expected Lick to go to, to Juve whatsoever. And... You know, going back to what you said, you know, a team that has aspirations to win the Champions League, that is a team that had that are very, very reliant on Cristiano Ronaldo because Ronaldo didn't have a good game yesterday, and Juve were uninspired and had no idea how to break through that front line. Which means, in my opinion, the rest of the Juve players just aren't up to scratch to win the Champions League. I mean, they're showing that they can't even do they can't even win Serie A. Well, I think it's Maybe it was, uh, in my opinion, it was probably the wrong time to appoint Pirlo. Like he'd just taken over at the under 23s. Yeah. I think it was the wrong time to, to move him up to the senior team. But I, I really do question 
the substitutions he makes? Because, okay, Chiellini didn't have a choice. <laughs> a choice. That was fine. I had no queries with that. But it's when he decided to bring on Alvaro Morata over Paolo Dybala. That makes no sense to me whatsoever. It's like, surely. I would have, I would have subbed off uh, Kulisevsky for um, Morata and let, um, and let Dybala come on for McKenney. That's the thing, because Aaron Ramsey came on, and Aaron Ramsey is not the player you bring on when you need a goal. No. He's a player to see out a, a solid lead. Yeah, if you're 2-1 up, or if you're 2-0 up, and Porto get the goal in the 82nd minute instead of Chiesa. Yeah. Then you bring on Aaron Ramsey and he sees it out. But but this is what I'm this this goes back to what I'm saying is you know players like I think McKenney is an exciting young player. He's he he's fun to watch and he was fun to watch when Shaka were still playing well. But I questioned why Juve went for him. Because if I'm being honest, I saw McKenney's next step would have he would have probably been better suited to play it somewhere like Gladbach or uh, Leverkusen, you know, where the step isn't as large, but to jump right to Juve, where you're playing with arguably the best player in the world, and you have at clear aspirations to win multiple trophies, I don't think McKenny was ready for that. And Rabiot, PSG reject. Ben Bentancur, barely heard of him ever. He's he's as old as we are, and you know, I I've got I haven't a single clue where he came from. Danilo, City reject. <laughs> uh, terrible fullback <laughs> yeah Chiellini used to be a good center back but he I'm as he's past it I'm sorry he just is Delict should be good but there is something stagnating in his development which is why you know two I'd years still, ago I know you'd still take him but two <laughs> years ago two years ago there was all the hype around him but now he is relative he's virtually irrelevant yeah. Arguably, just like Frankie De Jong, because he's also playing in a team that's just getting battered week in, week out. These two talents, they should be going to other teams. that, And when I say other teams, I mean other teams that are actually going to win stuff. Because those you don't you waste talent like that to, to rebuild a team around them. Those are talents who need to go into teams that are actually going to win stuff so they can make their careers thrive. Yeah, I think if you're looking at the Euros, you... If you were a, a Netherlands fan, you'd be looking at having your team built around Delict and De Jong. But at this rate, they're going to end up building it around Memphis Depay. Yeah, because Delict and De Jong are not going to have the uh, they're not going to have the mental strength. They're going to you know they're going to be so tired of getting the crap kicked out of them week in week out that they're not going to ha- they're not going to have the mental strength to lead a team in the Euros. They just throw it at the group stages and have the rest of the summer off. Just as much time as is possible away from that environment. Oh, yeah. It, it is baffling to me. But, I mean, it, that, that, that's what I mean. Just if you're looking at it, the only player who I think has the stuff to win a Champions League title is Ronaldo in that starting 11. And if if that's the case, then that's not a team that should be trying to win the Champions League or saying they want to win the Champions League. That is a team who needs to sort their priorities out. If you have one out of 11 players who has the stuff to win the Champions League, you are not going to win shit. Christ. Okay. 
I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> Harsh words, I know, but you know, it has to be said. I thought I'd just let you go with that because you just <laughs> you just had a little bit of rage moment. Rolled rage with that. I just roll with it. Okay, so having said that, reverse fixture in a week's time, two weeks' time. Will Juve overturn it? Do you think just Ronaldo is enough to overturn a 2-1 deficit? As bad as Juve are, I think they'll learn from it and sort themselves out because Porto, you know, as much as they probably played their hearts out for that match, I'm not sure if they've got the stuff to contain Ronaldo. And, you know, Ronaldo has shown time and time again, he is the man for the big stage and the big occasion. So I'm backing Juve to still go through. Heard it here first, folks. Boom. Just quickly looking ahead to next week's fixtures. I want first impressions. Unbiased impressions. <laughs> so Tuesday is Atletico Madrid against Chelsea. Oh, great match. Great match. First thoughts on who's winning that? It's going to be a hard one, but I'd actually back Chelsea, you know, with uh, with Tuchel. Fair enough. My my ball would be in Atletico Madrid's court. Fair enough. I can see why. I can see why. I'm just. I think I'm just, just gonna... Suarez has just been. Yeah, yeah. I'll give I'll give you that, but I'll I I think Chelsea have got something about them right now with Tuchel. You know, it's that that starting. You know, the new glow, the honeymoon phase, if you will. Every honeymoon's got to come to an end. Okay, well, yeah. you know the opinions there then. Lazio, I, I don't know why I'm asking you this. Lazio v Bayern Munich on Tuesday night. Do you know what? I think it's not going to be a blowout. Bayern are missing seven players from their squad. And this is arguably true. three of those are starters. And... You know, I, th- I think Lazio, you got to give them more credit. They're not going to be a pushover by any means. Um, I, I'd say Bayern will still edge it, but they're not, it's not going to be a blowout like, uh, you know, like Barcelona or something. Because just, I mean, I know Lazio this season, seventh in the table in uh, Serie A, not the best season they're go- they've got going, but, you know, the level on points with Atalanta, they're not that far off. Um, they're also level on points with Napoli. They're only two points off of Juve. I wouldn't, I wouldn't sweat it too much if I were Lazio. Um, they've got a decent team. Andreas Pereira masterclass incoming. I mean, I hope not, but you know, we'll see. Moving to Wednesday, Atalanta against Real Madrid. I'd love it for Atalanta to do the upset, but I still think Real Madrid are going to get carried by Benzema again. <laughs> Well, they haven't got Papu Gomez anymore after go. he fell out with the manager. So that's a big loss. And then the other one is Borussia Mönchengladbach against Man City. The we, yeah. unstoppable force meets the uh, iffy force. Stop, <laughs> the stop starting object. Yes, I think that's perfect. Um, you know, we said it a couple of weeks ago. If the Gladbach team that lost, <clears throat> sorry, 
the Gladbach team that lost against uh, Köln show up and the City team uh, that beat Chelsea show up. That's going to be a 9 0 route. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm going to back City to win that. It's not going to be, you know, I also wouldn't say blowout, but I'd say, you know, I could see them doing a comfortable 2 3 0. As much again, as I'd like Gladbach to win, but. Yeah, again, I can't really argue with that, to be honest. Right. It's... Again, I'm, I'm looking at it through. Uh, through biased eyes, but <laughs> if, if we're being highly professional sports journalists, which we are, which we are, there you go. It's probably got Man City's written all over it. And I was talking to Chris today, yeah, yeah. and they're probably up there with PSG for the favorites. Like, no offense to Bayern Munich, but I think at the moment, PSG f- closely followed by City. That's fair. That's fair. Based on current form, form yeah, can mean, change. Exactly, and I mean, if we if we're looking at uh, if we're looking at the way Bayern's season has gone, you know, didn't really get the signings they want that Flick wanted to. The squad is a little bit more depleted, and now you've got a bunch of injuries and coronavirus uh, quarantines go sweeping through the uh, through the squad. I think that is a very fair assessment. Well, there we go. We'll be back on Monday with a regular edition of the 50 Plus One Football Podcast. And we'll also be back next week with another European edition featuring all those games we've just gone through. They're coming thick and fast. And I love it. Oh, yeah. Don't forget to subscribe, like, share, comment on our Instagram and Twitter pages. Also, make sure to check us out on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and our RSS feed. But thanks very much for listening, guys. Keep calm. Love the beautiful game.